I knew the top part of this morning was going to be busy, so I prepared less in my notes, but I still got a message to preach. I developed this series, Living a Thankful Life in an Ungrateful World. Uh, That's not the case in this place this morning. Thank you for your graciousness. Uh, We want to say thank you. Thank you for your gratefulness to what God's doing through this church and uh, and, and through people who love you and serve you, we feel very honored and special. Thank you. Uh, but I trust I don't need to establish the fact that outside of these walls, we live in an ungrateful world. Uh, rather than continual thanksgiving for all we have, there seems to be a continual desire for more or for different and a continual view of what's not good enough. And so I was thinking as we go, as we finish out this year, uh, that's been full of a lot of different types of activity and emotions and happenings. As we, as we stand on the beginning of going into the holiday season, Thanksgiving and then Christmas, I thought, how can I address this issue of thankfulness and gratitude? And I thought, you know, I, th- I want to draw our attention back to how to be thankful in an ungrateful world. Psalm 6930 says this. I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with what? I will glorify God with thanksgiving. If thankfulness is part of how we glorify God, what is ingratitude part of? Think about it for a minute now. I will glorify him with thanksgiving. So if thanksgiving is part of how we glorify God, if that's part of it, What is ingratitude part of? Paul tells us in 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 5. I want to unpack this for a little bit. Notice what the Bible says. The Spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith, okay, and do what? And follow deceiving spirits. Things taught by demons. So what he says is there's going to come a time when people are going to follow spirits that deceive them and follow things that demons are teaching. Do you understand? Now watch how he impacts it. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods, which God created to be received with what? With thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything that God created is what? Good. And nothing is to be rejected if it's received with what? Thanksgiving. Because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. Let me suggest this to you and consider it, that Paul makes the connection between an ungrateful spirit and demonic activity. Let that sink in. Paul makes the connection between an ungrateful spirit and demonic activity. The writer of Psalm 169 says, I will praise God, but I will glorify God with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is part of the glorification of God. 
ingratitude as part of a demonic manipulation. When Paul uses that word, deceiving spirits, people will follow deceiving spirits. What he literally means is spirits that are seducing people away from God's provision and goodness. What he means are these wandering spirits, these roving spirits who wander around and, and, and just kind of look for an empty heart and a dissatisfied spirit. He calls them literally, this is what it literally means, they're a tramp. They're an imposter spirit. The spirit of gratefulness and unthankfulness is an imposter spirit. It's a corrupter and a deceiver away from God's provision and goodness. They are, they, they, so it, it, it's not too strong to say the ungrateful Christian is living under the influence of demons. That's not too strong a statement. Because what Paul has just unpacked for us in 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. I think that just needs to settle for a little bit. Thanksgiving is the way we glorify God. And when we're given to an ungrateful spirit, it's at the influence of the powers of hell itself. So, to the one who can always snatch defeat out of the jaws of victory, to the one who can always see the cup as half empty, to the one who always sees the negative and what is wrong, to the one whose perspective is continually what they don't have rather than gratitude over what they have been given. There is a great warning. Don't give the devil a foothold through ingratitude. With that understanding, imagine now the importance of teaching children to be grateful to say thank you and to be content. Can I preach this? Do you want a biblical example of how ingratitude is demonically influenced? Okay. Whenever someone asks you if you want a biblical example, you always say yes. Because they can say whatever they want, but if they don't have a biblical example, don't listen to them. So I'm going to give you a biblical example of how ingratitude is demonically influenced. Go back to the first book of the Bible. What is it? Genesis. Good. Ingratitude, follow me now, shows up as demonic doctrine. You have Satan, who is a demon fallen, and now the lead of the demonic hordes of hell. And what Satan did is got Eve to question and doubt and be dissatisfied with the goodness and provision of God. Wasn't that Eve's sin? Think about it now. Rather than being grateful for the thousands of trees from which she could eat freely at her complete discretion and enjoyment, she became ungrateful at God's provision of the one tree 
that was withheld. All these trees, Eve went around, ungrateful. Her one focus was the one she couldn't. And rather than giving thanks and living in gratitude for all God had done, she was stuck in the spirit of ingratitude over the one she couldn't. See, Eve lost sight of the goodness of God. See, if we only look at what we don't have, if our only focus is what we can't have, we're being influenced by demons. This is what Paul's fleshing out in 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. And wasn't this part of Adam's excuse as well? When the whole thing came tumbling down, he said to God, the woman you gave me, she, she wasn't good enough. In essence, he said this. He said, look, I know that you made her just for me, but this one I think you got wrong. You know, I just wonder how many times we invited demons and their influence into our homes and our marriages because of ingratitude over the one created for us by God. Ingratitude and thanksgiving are tied to the spiritual issues of heaven and hell. And it's not just a human issue of being polite. Ingratitude is part of this thing called spiritual warfare. Anytime we are in our, in, 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 tempted to com- be completely dissatisfied, disenchanted, not in awe anymore, not thankful or grateful for what God has done, we're entering into spiritual warfare where demons try to, this demonic doctrine of ingratitude. And what Paul says is that ingratitude is part of the life and the teaching of deceitful men who have their hearts hardened as with a hot iron. In other words, have their conscience seared. In other words, what he's saying is there are some people who have been so ungrateful and so unthankful for so long. Their conscience no longer have, have the ability to identify what they should be grateful for and have become as ungrateful as the world around them. Be careful. There's a very unique setting for, for, for this uh, in 1 Timothy 4. The context is very unique. It's interesting. He says, in this context, ungratefulness has led to two things. Forbidding marriage and abstaining from food. The idea is born out of this philosophical view that everything that is physical is evil and bad and everything that is spiritual is good and godly. 
And so there was this, there was this movement to deny oneself of everything physical and just, and just give themselves to the spiritual. If I can disassociate myself from physical pleasure, that means I am more spiritually connected to God. That was the philosophy going around at the time. And so Paul speaks about this in terms of forbidding marriage and abstaining from food. In other words, what they have said is, is there are things God has made, but they're lesser things than the spiritual things. And so, and so what God has made really shouldn't be enjoyed too much. And, and so if it's not really enjoyed, you don't have to give thanks for it too much. When Paul talks about there are those who forbid marriage, what he's, he's not talking about necessarily the institution of marriage. What he's talking about is the physical act of marriage, i.e. sex. And I, we, we talked about that in the last series, that life is not a sitcom. That abstinence in marriage is not God's ideal, unless it's mutually agreed upon and both grow closer in their love and appreciation of the Father. Because the act of marriage is intended to be an affirmation and renewal of the marriage covenant that is the symbol of the covenant that exists between Christ and his church. And according to Paul, that is supposed to be celebrated regularly according to 1 Corinthians 7. And in like manner, Paul deals with this issue of food. And he said there are some who are under this, this demonic influence of teaching this ingratitude, so much so they abstain, uh, they're abstaining from some foods. What, what was happening is back in the day, there was some meat that, was, that could be sacrificed to pagan gods in pagan temples. And then they would take that meat and take the market and sell it. And there were some Christ followers who believed, I can't have any part of that meat because of what it has been associated with. When God has said, it's all clean now. I declare all things clean. You're okay. It doesn't matter what it was. I'm, I'm declaring you can go ahead and partake. There are some who didn't believe that. And there was other who believed that if they still abided by the kosher laws of the Old Testament, they were more holy and godly than those who enjoyed a, a BLT. And, 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 and what Paul is saying is, is that God has proclaimed it good. He's made it allowable. Don't fall the victim of demonic influence by the abstination of things that I've already approved of. See, what he's saying is, as long as that thing is enjoyed in gratitude to God, it's good. That's what he's saying. And it's interesting that Paul is focused on the two greatest appetites of humanity. And his point is, enjoy all of it with thankfulness to God. And when what he has provided and allowed you to enjoy is enjoyed with thankfulness to God, God blesses it. That God gives all kinds of good gifts to his kids. And they're to be enjoyed and thanked for. Now watch this. Here, here, here's how, what we've got to understand. It's gratitude and thanksgiving that sanctifies the thing you're enjoying. It's, it's gratitude and thanksgiving that makes whatever it is you're enjoying holy. It has been pronounced holy by God, but the act of enjoying it with gratitude and thanksgiving holifies it for you. I don't know if holifies a word. He's a good boxer back in the day, but it was... <laughs> 
Listen, what God has given is meant to be enjoyed with an attitude of thanksgiving and gratitude. And the moment you enter into whatever that is with gratitude and thanksgiving, it becomes a holy moment and a sanctified thing. So if your Christian life is measured more by what you cannot enjoy now that you are a Christ follower, you've been deceived by demons and given yourself over to the influence of hell. The Christian life should be made up more of by what we can enjoy under God rather than what we cannot enjoy under God. Did you realize that? Maybe I need to start this message over because you look like you're not grateful or thankful for this message. (laughs) You want to know how to live a thankful life in an ungrateful world? This sin. If ungratefulness is tied to demonic activity, at least every person who calls himself a Christ follower ought to want to know how to live a thankful life in an ungrateful world. And so I got three things. I realize what time it is. I'm going to get through these three things. Deuteronomy 6. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build. Here's what he's saying. He said, when God chooses to bring you into his abundance, when God chooses to bring you into a blessing that is beyond the the scope and capability of your own creation, when God chooses to step in and say, I just want to do something good for you. That's what he's saying. When God brings you into that time, when he brings you in a house that's filled with all kinds of good things that you didn't provide, wells that you didn't dig, and vineyards and all that grows you didn't plant, then you will eat, and then when you eat and you're satisfied, when you're enjoying all this stuff, when you're enjoying all this provision of God, this blessing of God, this favor, when you've when you got a full belly now, he says, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You want to know how to live a thankful life in an ungrateful world? Well, the first thing, do not forget the Lord and all he's done for you. That's priority one. Do not forget the Lord and all he's done. See, we live in a world and a culture that says, yeah, but what? Yeah, but. Yeah, but I don't. Yeah, but I wish. Yeah, but I want. Yeah, but. The only thing a yeah but is going to do is make you ungrateful and unthankful and make you susceptible to the influence of demonic activity. Do not forget the Lord and all he's done. The Bible said God is a jealous God. Did you realize that? Joy is that jealousy rightly experienced is not a sin. Envy is a sin, but jealousy is not. Here's the difference. Envy is desiring something that is not rightfully yours. You got no right to it. That's envy. Jealousy is desiring something that is rightfully yours. And so please understand, God is a jealous God. What is he jealous about? God is jealous about you. And he will not share you with anybody or anything. He says, I'm going to be first in your life. 
I'm not willing to share you with anybody. I'm a jealous God, and I deserve you because you are mine. God is a jealous God. God is a jealous God about worship. Worship is any activity or expression that gives value or love, expresses value or love to something. So God is a jealous God about our worship because he's the only one that deserves our highest value, our highest valuation, our highest expression of value and love. God is jealous about our worship. And God is a jealous for our gratitude and thanksgiving. Because it's only by his grace and it's only by his goodness that we have anything. James 1.17 says, says that, 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 that God is, is the Father of life, and every, every good and precious gift comes down from the Father of lights to us. That we may have because we work, but the only reason we work is because God gave us the ability to. The only reason we get to work because we get to wake up in the next morning. Now, you may think that's not a big deal waking up the next morning because you always have, but it's a big deal till you don't. God has the right to be jealous because we and all we have are rightfully his. And he is jealous for our gratitude and thanksgiving. And it is the doctrine of demons that causes us to lose sight of his goodness. See, a thankful heart is the orientation of a heart turned heavenward. And a heart turned earthward is the heart of ingratitude. You follow me? So how do you live, be a, live a thankful life in an ungrateful world? Well, the first thing is we don't forget all the Lord and all he's done for us. The second thing is this. How to live a thankful life in an ungrateful world? Receive and enjoy what God provides with thanksgiving. Now go on and receive it and enjoy it with great thanksgiving for it. The most grateful people on earth ought to be Christ followers who know and believe the truth that God is the giver of all the good stuff. And when we simply sit in the enjoyment of what God has given, and when we receive it with great thanksgiving to God for its provision and show gratitude, we prove that we believe and that we know that he is the God who is the giver of all good things. And that gratitude makes holy that thing that we're enjoying. One of the questions I get a lot is how, how do I know God's will for my life? You know what God's will for your life is? It's real simple. God's will for your life. Give thanks. There it is. Give thanks. In all circumstances. That's God's will. God takes gratitude and thanksgiving very seriously. The lack of thanksgiving and gratitude is tied to demonically inspired doctrine and the presence of gratitude and thanksgiving is tied to his will for your life. So we become thankful people in a world that is completely ungrateful by remembering all God has done and thanking him for it and enjoying it with great thanksgiving. I, I read this little blurb out of a book uh, just this last week, and, and it was talking about um, how to create an extraordinary marriage and family. Do you want to know how? I'm going to tell you how. The author was real, real. He said, the way you create an extraordinary marriage and family is you give thanks and show gratitude to God over the ordinary family and marriage you already have. 
And when it's consecrated to him with thanksgiving and gratitude, he makes it extraordinary. It's real simple. So how do I live a thankful life in an ungrateful world? Remember all he's done. Be thankful for it. Enjoy it. The third thing is this. And let me just wrap up with this. And this is probably, this is, probably, uh, this, this is the one that, that I gravitate to the most. How to live a thankful life in an ungrateful world? Enjoy and express gratitude for what you enjoy. Like express gratitude for, look at Romans, Romans 14, 6. Whoever regards one day special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord for they give, what? Thanks to God. Whoever abstains does so to the Lord and does what? Like whatever it is that God has given me, that God has allowed me to partake, whatever it is, the, 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 the participation or, or the absence, whatever it is, I'm going to give thanks. But that thanks, not only does it have to be enjoyed, but that thanks and that God has to be expressed. There has to be an outward and visible expression of thanksgiving and gratitude. Otherwise, it don't mean nothing. But what happens when you give a gift to somebody? And like, yeah, thanks. No, no, I, no, I like it. That's no, it's fine. It's exactly what I want. What do you want to do? You want to take it back? Absolutely. If that's your response, like that's all I get from you, that's how you're going to respond to my graciousness and goodness, to my expression of love. Like you can tell me you're thankful all you want, but if I don't like it, right? You know, when you cook a meal and you slave, and you like you're so happy to do the work and set it before and make it like you know it's what you know they're gonna you're it's all this love wrapped up and you set it on the table and they come in and sit down and mm. how many times you want to go through there for cooking for them? You know how many times us men slave before a hot barbecue. A thank you that isn't expressive doesn't mean much. You know, when you set food before someone and they just are, yes, mmm, ah, it just makes you, right? Let me introduce you to my grandson. Okay, I love feeding Miles because it is a complete submersive bodily experience. It envelops his whole being and he dances and he moves and he smiles and he sings. 
We love feeding him. Why? It's not that he needs more food. Believe me. <laughs> he does not need another meal. But we love feeding him because there's this expressive joy of faithfulness and gratitude for the food set before him. And it just, it, you, you know. Right? Now imagine God setting before us all this goodness and there's no expression. Now listen, I know some of y'all are like, you know what, I'm just not very expressive. I'm real happy and joyful and expressive in here. You just don't see it here. Get over yourself. Get over yourself. If that's who you are, you're going to be miserable in heaven. Just get over yourself. Ain't nothing wrong with a whoa. Well, that's some good stuff right there. You, you, know, you know why parents give gifts to their kids at Christmas, right? I mean, part of it is we like to see their, their excitement and joy. I, I vividly remember the evening Caleb found out that Santa didn't put out the stockings at Christmas. Now, my son is graduating this year. He gets his master's in mechanical engineering. Next Saturday, he plays his final football game after 17 straight years. But I remember the day, the night, that he realized Santa did not put out the stockings. It was three years ago. He and his girlfriend Peyton were at the house, and it was really late, and I wanted her to leave and him to go to bed, because Shell and I were waiting <laughs> to put out the stockings. And they did not get the hint, and we finally said, whatever. We brought the stockings out, put them on the mantle, and Kev said, wait, what is going on? We love seeing our kids enjoy the gifts we give them, right? So does God. And he's been so good and so gracious and so blessing has flown from him to us. And more often than not, we have this attitude of ingratitude that all we see is what we don't have and all we want is what we can't have. And God is sitting the whole time saying, I've just prepared this meal. I've just shared with you these gifts. I've just given you these presents. I've shared with you my entire inheritance. Where is your expression of thanksgiving and gratitude, right? So let me, I'm gonna be done. Let me just be done. Let, let, let's walk into Thanksgiving and then into Christmas with three commitments. I will remember the Lord and all he's done. I will. I'm going to remember what he's done. Transition, change, stuff. I understand all that, but I'm going to remember what God has done. The second thing is I will enjoy what God gives with thanksgiving. As little or much as it is, I'm just going to enjoy it because he didn't have to give it. 
And I'm going to sit in the enjoyment of his provision and be thankful for it. And the third thing, I will express gratitude and I'm going to show that I enjoy what I have. God is going to be able to see it. He's going to be able to hear it. He's going to be able to feel it because I'm not going to hide my gratitude and enjoyment of his blessings. You understand? And in that enjoyment and in that gratitude and in that thanksgiving is the glorification of God. It's how we glorify him. Don't hide that. Here's what I know. I do not need another reason to praise God. I just need a memory. He's done enough for me to praise him Every day of my life. I don't need another reason to praise my Jesus. I just need a memory. You don't need another reason to praise your God. You just need a memory. You don't need another reason to be thankful for what God has done. He's already done more than enough. You just need a memory. You don't need another reason to give God glory for his blessing and provision and his good. You just need a memory because he's already done enough. And the moment we step into the expression of thanksgiving and gratitude, that moment becomes a holy moment between a God who loves us and a people who are... Thankful for his provision. So let's go into Thanksgiving and Christmas with a heart of gratitude and make the season that's before us holy. You understand? Father, thank you. You are a good God. And all you do is good. And you have been so good to us time and time again. We tend to get stuck on what isn't. We tend to get stuck on what happened. Help us not get stuck in ingratitude. Draw our attention. Draw our focus to all you have done, all you have given. God, we come from a culture that, especially in the last couple years, have only focused on what has been lost and what we had to sacrifice and forced to endure. And it's created in your people an attitude of ingratitude. Forgive us, Father. Forgive us for giving ourselves to the influence of demons who would cause us to be so short-sighted to lose sight and memory of what you've already done. God, we don't need another reason. We don't need another excuse. We don't need another move. You've already been good. You've already been gracious. You've already provided. We stand in this moment with an attitude of gratitude, thanking you for what you've done, being grateful for what you've provided, being thankful and grateful for all that you have given. Father, as we move into this world, as thankful, grateful people, make the world around us holy and sanctified. You're a good God, and we thank you. In your name I pray, amen.